Ronananian. Do you ever feel like you were living in the future? I can take you there. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see. The car doctor. I think we are moving faster towards the evolution and change of the automobile in the industry than I anticipated it. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Kind of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. Wait a minute, Doc. Well, what are you talking about? What happens to us in the future? We're going to become Ron and Anian. And now, Rose, where we're going, we don't need Rose. Here's Ronnie. Hey, come on in, sit down. Ron and Anian, the car doctor, at your service. 855-560-9900 is the phone number. Call in now and get the car doctor answer. Get a prescription written for your car to help solve your automotive problem, whatever you've got going on. I am fired up and ready. It was a long and weary week at the shop, if that's possible. And we're going to talk about that this hour, in the next two hours, actually, uh, as we are a two-hour syndicated show, Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. on the network Eastern Time. And uh, depending upon where and how and when you're hearing us uh, at various places, you can also call 855-560-9900 and leave a message. And if we're not on the air, if it's not Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m., and you're welcome to do so, listen, just because you can't hear this radio show in your time zone live doesn't mean you can't call in. You can call 855-560-9900 and talk to us, whether or not you hear us in your market, in your arena, in your part of the world. And uh, we'll be glad to talk to you about whatever it is your automotive you've got going on. And, of course, just to throw in there, I know I, I do this every week, but just to make the newbies aware, you go out to cardoctorshow.com. There's podcasts there. And also you can go out to iHeart and iTunes and find podcasts of this radio show there as well and take it on subscription. I, I, there's no way to start this week. It was a, it was a physical week in the shop. And I, I think the best story I can come back to you with is is a repair of the week of sorts. And... I think the moral or the motto of this story is really how a repair can escalate into something bordering out of control like that. 1999 Honda CRV came into the shop. 100 and something thousand miles on it, higher mileage, new customer, brand new customer, found us on Yelp. We had great reviews. Hey, we love you. You know, we want to bring our car to you, yada, yada, yada. Okay, so, you know, the pressure's on. It's it's You're under the eye, so to speak. You've got to do right like you always have to. And, uh, you know, you're dealing with something you haven't seen that's almost, well, 18 years old. It's an older car. It was simple enough stuff. It was an oil change, and the driver's window didn't go up and down. How hard could it be? Somewhere around 10 o'clock, I pulled the car in. I was going to start the oil change, and I started working my way through the 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 power window and after about a half hour 45 minutes into that Danny looked over at me and he said my god what are you doing I had the door off the car the only way the the problem was that well there was two problems really the driver's door power window motor assembly had failed and that was clear cut I had the door panel off I power and ground nothing happened but I had no power and ground signal from the switch and when I traced it out, going through the door, going through the A-pillar, going through the door jam, there were broken wires 
in the connector leading into the door itself. Now, CRVs are a little unique. The wiring harness comes out. When we say A-pillar, if you look at the side of a car, the first post is A, the middle post is B, if it's a four-door, and then the, the, the last post is C. If it's a two-door car, it's an A and a B post. There's no C. So coming out of the A-pillar, there the wiring harness actually comes out ahead of the fender or ahead of the door into the fender. In some cases, I've had to take the fender off the car to fix whatever problem it is that I need to fix. In this particular case, it was the door that I had to take apart. And I had the door off the car, and Danny's looking, he's going, what are you doing? Well, I've got six wires that are broken in the connector or had fallen apart. I'm sure I helped it along probing around in there. It didn't It didn't help the fact that I was probing around in this 18-year-old car with brittle wires that I could see cracked insulation and dried out connections. And it was just a disaster. It was quickly, very quickly spiraling out of control. So the problem became, how do I take these six wires, run them through the door, connect them to the harness on the other side without disrupting this, you know, what the factory does with their male-female plug-together connectors and, and making it look like somebody with a, at least a high school education worked on the car. Took the door off, and I always think to myself, and maybe this is the brag part of my life, and I guess you have to have a little bit of brag if you're going to fix cars because you've got to have some kind of an ego, I think, and just keep it in check. And maybe that's the maybe that's the maybe that's part of the test of life as a mechanic. But you've always got to think you can fix it. You can't think you can't fix it. If you think you can't fix it, you won't. If you think you can fix it, you will. I always think to myself when I get in this kind of a situation. Heck, I took the body off. Of, I took the body of a '55 Chevy off the frame, reassembled it, made it look like new. If I could do that, I got to be able to fix a '99 Honda. How hard could this be? Got out a seven-eighths hole saw. Punched the 7 8 hole saw just above the factory connector. And I used a standard size hole saw because if the grommet ever needed to be replaced, I'm, I know I can get 7 8 I can get standard 3 quarter 7 8 one-inch rubber grommets for the harness to pass through. Then I took the six broken wires, and of course, Honda doesn't make it easy. They're all striped, so it's a green with a white stripe, a blue with a red stripe. I really loved how the Honda engineer, and if, if you're ever listening to this podcast, you Honda engineer you, in, in the door jam connector of a 99 CRV, pin 6 is a yellow-red wire. Pin 7 is a yellow-red wire. Do you think it's possible? Now, one does the power mirrors. One does the power door locks. Do you think it's possible you could come up with something different than two similar wires in the same connector side-by-side side on the same vehicle? Hello? So I gave every wire... A base color. I made the green, white, green. I made the red, blue, blue. I made the, and so on. The one yellow, red, where I, you know, I made the one yellow, red, yellow, and I made the other yellow, red, purple. I just made it something totally different. Built the harness, soldered it together. He shrunk it on the one side, wound it up, made a harness out of it, pulled it through, put the door back on, lined the door back up, shimmed it back to where it was, and then soldered it coming back in the other side of the connector. And the only thing I, I hesitated on was the two yellow reds. I figured one's power door lock, one is power mirror. I activated them to see which one went where, and I guessed right. My first guess was my best guess, as it usually is. You know, your your, your first guess is always your best guess. Remember that. And I was able to get it put back together. In the end, what did I gain? And you always look at a repair like this. And, yeah, it was whimsical, and it was kind of funny because everybody walking through the shop that day said, 
you know, it's not often you walk into a mechanical shop and you've got the door off the car. It's not a body shop. So we got to tell the parts drivers, what are you doing? Well, I lost my yo-yo, and I know it's in this car somewhere. I've got to find it. To what door? This car is missing a door? Danny, did you know this car is missing a door? Like, holy cow. But in the end, you think to yourself, what did you win? Did you win? Did you lose? Did you, did you break even? I had about four and a half, almost five hours in this car. Probably a little bit longer, but we'll stop it there. I don't count after 5 o'clock because, as it was, the power window regulator didn't show up until 4.45. And because it was a new customer, I said, you know what? I've had this guy's car two days. Let me get this done. I stayed late and finished it by 6.30, 7 o'clock. But there was a good five hours in this car. What do you charge somebody, right? You know, you, you guys think it's so easy to be in, in, in my shoes on this side of the counter and say, what do you charge somebody? New customer, found us on Yelp. You know, he, he was reasonable to get along with. He was very reasonable. I mean, good Lord, I I basically had to take his car apart, and he, he stood there faithfully thinking, okay, I know this guy can put it together, and he doesn't know me from Boo. Charged him two hours. He was thrilled. He said, you know what, I'll be back. And that was the win. The win is, and this is part of the responsibility of a repair shop, and I think the smart repair shops, not that I'm the smartest, but I think the smarter repair shops are the ones that will cultivate the better customers, the people that understand what it takes to fix cars. And not just in terms of dollars, but in terms of time, in, in terms of give me a minute to research it and study it and understand it, and then I can fix it. Not somebody yelling and screaming, and that was the other extreme we had this week, about their 348,000-mile Ford Freestar that they didn't want to spend any money on to fix, which kind of boggled my mind, and I still owe her an estimate, as a matter of fact. But, you know... As I've been telling you for a while now, repair shops are getting scarcer and scarcer in certain parts of the country. In the Northeast, I know business is down for a lot of people, but so are the number of repair shops, so it's only a matter of time. It's like a roller coaster. You're going to ride the wave, baby. But in the end, this 99 CRV owner, he was happy. It's done, fixed, out the door, promises to come back, and I'm just happy because I got to take the door off, put the door on, wax on, wax off, door on, door off. And uh, I did have some fun along the way, and that's part of what a huge part of what auto repair should be about. Because if you're having fun, it's not like work. Hello and welcome, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here, eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. I am excited to talk to you today. Whatever it is you've got going on, I, you know, it was a week that some of the emails that you sent me just made me question why am I doing this, and then some of the emails I got, in particular from the one young man that Tony reminded me about when I picked Tony up for the train today. Tony reminded me about the young man that sent me the email about how listening to the show with his grandfather made him want to become an auto mechanic. And Tony said to me, he goes, you've, you've, you've put somebody onto their life's journey, and I never really thought of it like that. You don't think about the impact of this radio show. To me, it's just something I've been doing every weekend for the past 25-plus years. But um, glad to be here. You know, as I always say, you know, happy to be here and proud to serve, and I hope I get to talk to each and every one of you, 855-560-9900. If you've got a car question, give us a call. We're going to re- we're gonna kick the garage doors wide open right after this. Don't go away.
Ron Ananian. Welcome back, Ron Ananian. Yeah, I think I heard that already. How do you like that? Ron Ananian, the car doctor. Aha, he didn't say that. Phone number is 855-560-9900. By the way, I should point out, um, thanks to uh, the argument we had prior to the show about the um, uh, the Wix giveaway, we want to make sure everybody's aware of it, that the, the boys were drooling over it before. Um, you know, for 75 years, Wix has been taking care of engines that we all depend upon each and every day. And as a result of that, their 75th anniversary 39 Ford Coupe diecast car is a very special piece. It was handcrafted. Uh, the exterior styling was courtesy of Eugene Bob Gregory. He was hired by Edsel Ford in 1931, and that's part of what makes the 39 Ford such a desirable piece. Well, this is a 118th scale car. We're giving one away either this hour or next hour. Decision of the judges, Tom and Tony, are final. So uh, be nice to them when you call in, and uh, we'll leave it up to them, and they'll decide who we're going to award that to. We've been giving this out for a while now. Every once in a while, we get a couple out of Wicks, and um, they're nice enough to donate them to the cause. And uh, very nice, very cute. If you're a car collector, uh, this is something you want. So uh, get in on the phones and do your best. Read more about Wix and the giveaway car at wixfilters.com. Let's go over and talk to Jamie in Kentucky, 2001 Ford F-150, and some issues with pulling and things like that there. Jamie, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? Hi, Ron. Yes, sir. Uh, 01 F-150, when you put the brakes on, it has a slight pull to the left. Okay. Um. Not real, not real bad. Just a slight pull. Only, only when you put the brakes on. Yeah, only when you put the brakes on. Okay, and what sort of repair attempts have been made to it? Well, I actually found the problem just shortly ago, and I've never seen it before. Right. It, I changed uh, brake pads, new calipers. Well, I still had the same problem. I've never seen a brake hose fail that wouldn't let it apply the caliper. You know, usually when they fail, all I've ever seen, they grab it and they won't turn it loose. Right. So did the hose, was the hose that failed, was it opposite the side that was the pull? Yeah. Yeah. It was the right hose that had failed and it pulled to the left. And and the reason is, think of a banana peel, Jamie. You know, uh-huh. When you peel a banana, you peel a banana down so it, it folds down. Same thing with that brake hose. That bad brake hose was restricted inside so that when you stepped on the brake pedal, you were pushing the inside of the hose. You were peeling the inside of the hose like a banana peel, plugging fluid from applying to that right front caliper and causing it to back up and be redirected elsewhere in the system. And one of the places it went was that left front caliper. It it over you know, charge that left front, creating a superior pr- hydraulic pressure situation, and it pulled it to the left. Well, would that also account for something strange I've seen in the master cylinder? It would actually bubble when you pump the brakes. Well, it shouldn't. You know, bubbles, well, let me let me back up a second. Bubbles when? Bubbles when you were bleeding it or bubbles under normal operation? Under Normal operation, if you were pumping the brake, kind of too well, and bleeding too, it, I couldn't ever get it to bleed. It would go so far, you know, I've got a bleeder where I can see the fluid come through a clear hose too. Yeah, so I can watch it. It wouldn't ever get out enough pressure, and you could see a little bit of bubbling in the master cylinder. I don't know where, I don't, I can't come up with a reason why air would be induced into a system from a restricted hose. 
I would think more in terms of provided all the bleeders are closed and none of the hydraulic seals on the calipers are, are allowing air to enter that way. I would think more in terms of a master cylinder that's burping air. I, I think of it as burping air, and it's probably not a grammatically correct way to, to do it, but that the master cylinder itself, the end seal on the on one of the apply on either the apply or the release, um, is allowing air to be pulled in past it. Uh, you might want to think about putting a master cylinder on the vehicle. How many miles are on this truck, Jamie? Uh, it's only got two hundred and thirty thousand on it. Just broken in, baby. You know. Yeah, it's not, just, not, it's just broke. Nothing wrong with that. You know, I, I think when you get to mileage like that, if you see one hose fail, you do them all. There's two others. There's a left front, and there's there should be a center axle hose. And then the fact that you're hanging calipers on it, you might as well put a master on it and get it over with. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking because it's not like I haven't got the money out of it. Right. You know, it, sure, it doesn't owe you a dime. I often think, and I wonder to a degree, you know, when do you change a master cylinder? It seems like it's it's one of those components we all take for granted, and we've got, like you say, 200,000 miles on the car. When do you want to find out the master cylinder that you've used every day for the past 16 years doesn't work the hard way? And then you end up visiting a body shop, too. So, you know, at 200,000 miles, probably a fair time to start thinking about changing the master. Think of it like this. You can still get a quality master cylinder for that vehicle. It's only 15 years old. You know, I'm sure you could bop down to an O'Reilly Auto Parts and find something of a good quality brand off the shelf and and be happy with it. If, for conversation's sake, you waited five years, as these vehicles are getting older, it's getting harder to find some of the simplest, most what we think is a common everyday part that, you know, it's not that easy. So changing it now, whether we know it to be bad or not at this age and mileage, if you're going to keep the truck, kind of makes the argument for change it now. You won't have to worry about finding it later. All right, sir? All right. Hey, Jamie, I appreciate the call. And uh, my best to you and yours down there, Kentucky Way, and keep that truck on truck. And call me back when it hits 400000 I'll try to still be on the air. It'll probably be another 20 years. Good luck to you. I'm Ron Anany in the car, Doctor. We are back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. Give us a call, 24-7 phone number, leave a message, and our producer will call you back and hook you up in queue if we're not getting you, if you're not getting us here on air. We are live Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, and we then go out on the network through the magic of radio, something I have a hard time understanding, but my chief engineer, Tom Ray, explains to me each and every week especially when I make mistakes. Oh, well. Let's get on over and talk to, uh, let's go talk to John in Mississippi, 1990 Chevy Cavalier and a Code 32. John, welcome to the car, Doctor, sir. Oh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I was on the freeway. I'd been driving for a while, and uh, the check engine light came on, and I saw it, the engine seemed to be running okay, so I kept going, and eventually I stopped for gas, and when I uh, restarted the car, it didn't come on again. But uh, later that evening, I I uh, checked the code and I got a code 32, and the repair manual says digital EGR exhaust gas rich circulation circuit electrical diagnosis. Um, it basically told me that the EGR valve is shot and I need to replace it. Well, it's, it's a 26 it, it, year old car. 
Well, it's telling you that it's there's a problem in the EGR system. There's a failure that it's not seeing a change or it's questioning whether or not the EGR valve is working. Did you go through the flowchart? Doesn't the flowchart talk something about at idle when the engine's warm, lift the EGR valve, open it, and see if the idle RPM drops? Oh, no, I didn't. I don't you know, I must not have seen that in the repair manual. Okay. I guess there's a, is, a diagnosis in here somewhere that yeah. tells you how to check the EGR valve. Right. I would tell you I would tell you to go through the EGR valve circuit. Is this a digital EGR, John, or is this there's a vacuum hose attached to this EGR, correct? Yes. Yeah, right. There's a hose. Yeah, this is hose. yeah. This is a very this is a very bread and butter simple system. As a matter of fact, the, the question when I saw it come up on my call screen kind of threw me. A code thirty two, a two digit fault code, right? I, you know, we, mm-hmm. we, we we've been talking the last couple of weeks about technology and the advances. It's not an OBD two car. It's a it's an OBD one. You know, if it was an OBD two, it would be you know P zero one double O fourteen or something. Here it is, right? It's a, a thirty two. <laughs> like wow, right. you know, look at look at how simple things were back then, and we thought that was. So. I remember the first time I sat in General Motors training class in 1982. This is a while ago, wow. folks, and and they were explaining EGR valve fault codes and O2 sensors, and I thought I thought I had landed on Mars. I didn't know where I was. I was looking at carburetors with wires sticking out of them, and I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, this is not my hot rod. This is not. This is not what I really expected, um, but anyway, I did. I did have one little quick question. Yes, sir. Where can I get one of these Tech One scan tools? Do they still make those things? No, you're. Tech and, one. Yeah, to find one, I'm going to tell you to take a look out on eBay or Craigslist. There's, you know, there's more than a few repair shops banging it up, and you know, I'm sure you can find something out there used that'll meet your needs. Uh, you know, but well, that's yeah. something that General Motors used exclusively. Well, that was that was the dealer level tool back in the day. Yeah, that was something that the dealer oh. General Motors required all the dealers to have. I think the real question here, flow chart aside, scan tools aside, uh, John, I think the real question here is is if if you manually open the EGR valve, take your finger, stick it under the diaphragm, and just kind of gently pick it up, does the mm-hmm. car stall? If the idle quality okay. doesn't change and the car doesn't stall. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to start to think about do you have a blocked or restricted EGR passage? How many miles are on this car? Okay. About 65,000. Yeah, it's not a lot. And the fact is it's probably been all short trip driving and it's never really seen a lot of temperature. Right? Not until the past couple of years. Yeah. The past couple of years we did a lot more freeway driving. So, you know, I would tell you to I would tell you, you know, when you open that EGR valve, that thing has to shut off. It's got to stutter, 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 okay. and then die. And if it doesn't, I'm going to think more in terms of a clogged or restricted EGR valve. Or I'm sorry, a passage could be a valve too. Thinking about it. Thank you. But you know, I would Thank start. You very a, much. I would start a diagnosis there. You're very welcome, sir. Good luck to you. And if you need more help, we're here. A code 32. Good grief. How simple could it get? Let's do a quick piece of email um, before we pull over and take this pause. Um, hey, Ron, I've got a 2005 Buick Park Ave 3.8. I've got, oh, I'm sorry, I've got five Buick Park Ave 3.8 cars. I read that wrong. I've got five Buick Park Aves. This guy likes his Buicks. What's the best tranny fluid? What about synthetic fluid? Real short and simple. Um, uh, you you want to do a call instead, huh, Tom? All right, we'll go to the phones. We'll answer this question later. Let's go over and talk to Ken in Syracuse. Hey, Ken, how are you? 
Good. How are you, Ryan? Good, sir. What's going on? Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, 2011 Chrysler 300, 5.7 Hemi. Okay. I bought it 2,000 miles ago with 51,000 on it. And I have a slight drivability problem where um, if I'm driving, it's just normal acceleration. It, it kind of takes a moment to feel my accelerator, and then it takes off. Um, it's just kind of a slight thing. So I, I put my code scanner on. It shows no misfire in the codes. And I was wondering if, you know, I've heard you talking about carbon cleaning kits, if that would be a solution. Probably ought to do it because the car's new to me anyway. And, uh, and, and I happen to have one of those motor medic fuel pro cleaning kits. Would that be appropriate for my car? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, carbon cleaning on a regular basis is, is, still, a, is still a good way to look at this. Um, you know, it's still, it's still part and parcel of the process. I would definitely do a carbon cleaning. Carbon is still an issue. All right. In the sense that every 18 months to two years, a vehicle should get a regular carbon cleaning as part of, as part of the maintenance process. Um, you know, so whether or not you actually fix your tip in hesitation, at least, you know, if, if, if you've done a carbon cleaning, that part's done, Ken, you can move on to the next thing. You know, um, so w- without a doubt, that's number one. You may want to, does your scan tool show fuel trims? Can you read data stream? No, you know, un- unfortunately, I've heard you talk about that quite a bit, and it doesn't show it. Yeah, and the only reason I say that is it might be interesting. I always like to, you know, what what I'll do is I use, I use a machine called a motor vac. Um, I do it a couple of different ways. I, I have a motor vac. I have some of the motor medic kits. Um, I have CRC top end engine cleaner. I mean, I've got a, I probably got a half a dozen, half a dozen different ways to clean carbon on different vehicles, and a lot of it has to do with what engine are we working on, new school, old school, what technology, and so on. You know, but one of the things I like, one of the, I'll do a motor vac setup, and one of the things I like about it is that I'll hook up a vacuum gauge, and I guess I could do it with anything else too, but I'll do a before and after vacuum reading, and I'll always notice a slight increase in vacuum, which tells me that the seal around the valves, I've, I've removed some of the carbon and some of the leakage, and I've improved it, uh, you know, to that degree. So it's it's always a good way to measure it. So if you don't have a scan tool to do it, and this is my point, I'm going the long way around the barn here, um, you know, if you don't have a scan tool, I'm sure you have a vacuum gauge, you can pick one up cheap enough, take a manifold vacuum reading before and after and see if there's a difference. At least you'll know, right. you'll at least you know how effective sure. the carbon cleaning was, if at all. All right. Now, if that doesn't do it, then the next place we're going to go is we're going to start to talk about bulletins. No bulletins come to mind, but I would want to know, are there any TSBs that meet your description? And then is there a flash available? And the only way you're going to really be able to find that is you need to know what level of software is in the vehicle. Somebody's going to have to take the VIN, plug it into the Chrysler computer, see if there's a flash available, and then read it with a a dealer-level tool to see, okay, it's got this and it could use that type of an approach mm-hmm. to see if a flash is applicable. But a flash might also solve that as well. All so right. don't rule that out. And and then you were, have been talking quite a bit about the tuner kits, and you gave away the Diablo Sport. You missed it. Yeah, you, you missed it by <laughs> two weeks, I think that was. Um, yeah. So, but, yeah, I mean, listen, and, you know, once you get, once you get through with all the, um, you know, all the things we talked about, the cleaning, the TSBs, the flash, a tuner kit such as the one from Diablo Sport would at least give you the option to start to try and adjust around that. I had a similar, from your description, I had a similar bog in my plow truck, 
and mm-hmm. I was able to adjust around it, and there was nothing wrong with the plow truck. That's the way the factory set the vehicle up. So much for tuning. Yeah. So much for tuning a car. Um, so the Diablo Sport piece did give me the ability to adjust around it. You can get out to their website, read more at DiabloSport.com. Yeah, I did. Uh, and a couple more questions about those, if you don't well, mind. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. Then sit tight. Let me pull over and take this pause, and we'll continue where we where we left off. Stay tight, Ken. I'm Ron Annie, the Car Doctor. We are back right after this. Welcome back. We're on Nanny and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. We were talking with Ken up in Syracuse, New York, 2001 Chrysler 300. Ken, you're still there, sir. I am. By Thank the you. way, I would be I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, how's the Firebird? <laughs> you got me. Yeah, you didn't, you, think know, I, you didn't think I'd remember, the, did you? No, I wasn't. <laughs> that's two years you know, ago, right? That's right. That's right. I'm go, I go through these things with these cars. You know, today, today this is my toy. And I and I have my fun with it, and I decided that, you know, I'm a really big guy. I decided I was tired of squeezing into that, and I went a little more to the luxury side this time. Yeah. I may go back to something else next time, but – and that car was a ball. Yeah. But yeah. this right. is my luxury time. Right. Well, that's okay, too. So nothing yeah, wrong with that. Yeah. So you had a couple of questions. Yeah, the uh, tuner kit we were talking about. Right. Um, I haven't played with one, but if I'm not mistaken – they used to be set up so that you would program a chip, which you'd then install on your car. Right. Do they, do well, they still do that? Well, what they're doing, now this is an OBD2 car, your 2001, and if it should be similar to my plow truck. I, I, I'd have to admit I don't know the intricacies of every tuner program, but if it works the way the plow truck and the way I've seen the majority of these work, they're basically going to take the software that's currently in your vehicle, back it up off-site, so if you ever want to restore it, you can, and then install and rewrite the software that's in the computer. So you're going to take your Windows operating system out, you're going to take your Windows, whatever you got, Windows 10 out, and you're going to put Windows 10 with an efficiency package built into it that allows you to adjust the size of the windows and how often what colors come up and that type of a thing onto the computer that gives you the ability to question, you know, ask questions. They ask questions and it gives you the ability to tune and adjust what you want. They ask everything right. when they're when they're doing this, you know, how big are the tires, what's the gear ratio, what octane fuel do you use, how much timing do you want to put in it. All the questions we would typically do as kids when we were when we were setting up cars with carburetors, distributors and no computers. They're doing it electronically. That's the beauty of this kit. That's the really nice thing about what they're doing. It is adjustable at multiple levels that that's very good and and are these vehicle specific tools yes they have to be because they're so they have to be because you know the software for that chrysler is not going to work on a ford is not going to work on a gm and you know so on and so forth so right you know but these these questions i have to tell you these questions as, as much faith as i know you have in me can be probably more clearly and better answered 
by their tech support. If you get out to their website, DiabloSupport.com, talk to their tech support people. You know, I'm sure they'll be able to go over all this with you in much greater depth and and give you the give you uh, you know more explicit answers. Well, one thing I did read on their website that it's illegal to reprogram your vehicle and drive it on the street. Right. So I'll be sure, if I do that, I'll be sure to only drive it on the track. Right. That's right? what everybody does. Sure. Um, right. You know, and I understand right. that too. So. Okay. All right, kiddo. Can Can you do one more? Um. We got time for one more, real quick. You got, I got sixty seconds. Okay, I got slight vibration. I took it in to have, have my wheels balanced. They pointed out that one of the wheels isn't true, slightly out of round. Okay, is there a way to fix that? Yeah, there's wheel. There's guys that do wheel reconditioning or wheel refinishing. I would talk to your local body shop and ask them because you got to think about cars that have, you know, are in a situation with an accident. It's a rear wheel or a wheel that's not easily or inexpensively replaced. There are guys out there that will retrue wheels or possibly have remanufactured or retrued wheels in stock for an exchange, one for one for yours. I would check with your local body shop or look online for a wheel reconditioner or a wheel remanufacturer. And then just for the record, don't forget eBay. There's a lot of stuff on eBay, too, that's floating around out there. And you may find something cheap enough within your budget, too. Ken, as always, I enjoyed the conversation. And I hope all that helps you and gets you going in the right direction. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. Hey, and away we go this segment. Let's uh, run an the car doctor here. Let's get over and talk to Frank Rockland County. Frank, I got about a minute and a half, babe. How are you? Hi, right, Joe, brother. All right, man. What's going on? Beautiful day. Beautiful day. Listen, same problem. I couldn't believe our screws were all in the car. You started talking about that Civic there. I had the same problem with the, with the window. You went. I went to, remember I talked to you about fixing the uh, gas the door. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the window wasn't working. Yeah, your, your son's Civic. Yep, yep. Was it was it wiring yeah, in the yeah. door pillar? Yeah, city cop, so yeah. it works out good for me. He's near city cop, so it works out good. It's about 20, 25 hours to fill up a tank, going back foot. But I, I got to tell you, I give you credit. I give you credit, and that's what it's all about today. Um, we, we're, we're doing work uh, on the side because the fine people today doing work. But another thing, nothing for nothing, and I know you're very good because I, I listen to what you say. But uh, five hours, my, my brother, uh, I did it in, in, in four and a half. Well, well, there you go. You know what? Then you, you can come down and do the next one. How's that? So let's see if you can get it, let's see if you can get it done I, I, in four. I'd love to. So, I'd love to hang. But, I'd love uh, to hang. Hey, listen. But, uh, uh, no, right on key. It's right in that harness. I had the same thing with that 2002 Ford Explorer. Right in that harness. It, it, it's going to wear and tear. Yeah. So what, what are you going to do? And you, you would think with all the technology we've got, that over the past 50 years we would have found a better way to run wires through door jams, but it doesn't seem like they have because everybody still has their problems with wires breaking and connection issues and everything else. Hey, Frank, listen, I appreciate the call as always. And tell your son God bless. We appreciate him and everything that he and the boys and girls in blue do for us to keep us safe day-to-day on our streets. And uh, they're all in our prayers. We, uh, we say thank you and God bless. Wow. There's another fast hour. Well, you know, there's another hour of Car Doctor coming up on most of these affiliates after the news at the top of the hour. Till then, I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor reminding you, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.